last week I was sharing with you the story, one of those stories I was in a weird way looking forward to sharing with you, not the sense that somebody wanted to annihilate another group of people, but just the reality of our human nature. I shared the story of James and John who were going into a Samaritan village because God told, Jesus told them to go and, and they got the cold shoulder and they wanted to annihilate them, destroy them all. And it was just one of those stories, again, that just reveals the capabilities of our sinful nature, that we are capable of doing things that are hurtful, that can bring pain, that can bring suffering to other people. It's, it's our nature. I don't think everybody that walks this planet will just bring severe pain to others, but we all do carry that nature. Now, we have this nature that needs to be cleansed, that needs to be worked on. And that is what I was sharing with you, because this is the truth. If you are not working on your sinful nature, then it will work on you. If you're not spending time submitting this nature of ours to God and saying, God, would you work in me? Would you help me? It's going to do its own thing. It's going to act the way it wants to act. It's going to respond the way it's been taught to respond. It's going to react in ways that are not pleasing to God. And I hope that it's for you, if there's moments where you're like, why did I say that? Why am I thinking that? Why did I do that? I know I've done that plenty of times. So I have a feeling we're all in the same boat that we've said to ourselves, why are we doing these things? Why do I keep thinking that? Why am I, and maybe you don't act on it, but you're thinking about it. Why? And it's our sinful nature that it, it's, it's something that it's, I, I likened it last week to a crocodile. And I didn't share this thought with you, but you know like a crocodile, you've seen the animal shows before. They're just kind of lurking around. And that's like our sinful nature. Sometimes our sinful nature is not just chomping all the time. It's not like, you're not always biting back at somebody. You're not always doing things that are painful. Sometimes just that nature is just, it's just there. And here's what I know. I know this. You can be a good person without ever reading the Bible. I, I, I know that. I've met good people who have never read the Bible before. You can do good things without ever going to church. That's, you're capable. You, you, this, this nature of ours has an imprint of God. It is born in sin, but it also carries the imprint of God with it. So you and I, we, cannot, we can never read our Bible. We, we don't even have to come to church, and you can still do good things. But that's just like our sinful nature. It's just, it's just there. It looks like, oh, isn't that a cute little thing moving in the, in the pond until it's hungry, until it's awakened. Until there's a, the right circumstance that comes about, and all of a sudden, there it is. There's that sinful nature of mine. There's that anger that I was capable of. There's that rudeness. There's those thoughts. And that is what we need to work on. We need to say, God, I want you to work in my life. We need to work on saying no to our sinful nature. I share that with you. We need to say, God, help me to say no to it. We need to say no, and we're mature enough to understand that there are some things in this world that make us that can make us feel good. There are some things that in this world that his, that our our life would make us feel important, or maybe that would make us feel powerful. And we have to say no to those things. Can I tell you today, true freedom is not doing what you want. So 
somehow this idea is out there. This idea that if you are doing what you want, you are truly free. Don't mess with my freedom by telling me what to do. But true freedom is not doing what you want. True freedom is living like Jesus. That's true freedom. True freedom is having the ability to come into God's presence. True freedom is being able to live like God and to talk like Him and to act like Him and to think like Him. That's true freedom. It has nothing to do with your wants because the reality is my wants and your wants sometimes are not good. Sometimes they'll get us in trouble. Sometimes they'll get us into problems. But when we're living like Jesus, when we're loving like Him, when we're thinking like the Lord, then that's when we're experiencing joy. Then we're walking in peace. Then we're unifying people, not dividing them. Then we're doing things that we're not capable of doing on our own. I want us to be free. I want us to be free to say no to things. I still, to this day, remember the phone call that could have changed my life. I, um, I went to a public school for elementary and, and junior high. But my mom wanted to send me to a private school in Joliet. The only private school at that time was Joliet Catholic at high school. And so that's where I was going. And I was like, oh, man, all of these guys have been friends. My, my freshman year was at when it was still an all-boy school. And I was like, oh, these guys are all friends. I better go, you know, join the football team. I got to make friends. You know, I was a pretty much a normal teenager. I wanted acceptance. I wanted friends. I wanted to be liked. And so that happened. I made friends, and things were going great. But I also knew what was going on. And uh, from my brother, who was five years older than me, I saw him hanging out. He went to Joy Catholic as well. I, I knew what they were up to. I knew what it meant to be a part of the football team, to be a part of the cool crowd. I knew what Friday nights would be like. And yet there was a part of me that I kind of wanted that. And I remember to this day getting the phone call from, my, from those guys. Because, you know, again, they were with each other all through elementary, now in high school. But I, to them, I was a newbie, and maybe my brother, in a bad way, set the stage for me to kind of join the crowd. So I remember getting the phone call. Hey, Sid, we're, we're going to hang out this Friday. We're going to go to a house party. How would you like to go? I remember, I knew in my mind I had a youth group activity that Friday night. And I remember just in that moment thinking, this is the crowd I've been waiting for. I made it. I got the call. They, they accepted me. They, they, I didn't grow up with them, and they all grew up with each other. And I would walk the lot. I would walk the hallways, and I would see them hanging out, and I would see them laughing, and I would see them joking, and I would see the girls around. And I'm like, man, I'm going to be in. But I knew I had a youth group activity. And I remember telling them, no, I can't go. And that changed my life. Because that's where I made my commitment. I said no to that sinful nature. Because I knew what they were going to do. They were, you know, they were going to drink, underage drinking, partying, girlfriends, all of that stuff, dirty jokes, the whole, you know. I don't have to explain it all to you. It wasn't a good scene for a believer in Christ. And I said no. And from that point on, I was committed to my youth group. And that youth group took me on a missions trip. And that missions trip led me to miraculously being called into the ministry, and here I am today. So when God is teaching us to say no to this sinful nature, 
When he's teaching us to say no to things that we want, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, it's because he has a better yes for us. It's because he has something in store for us that will go beyond your thoughts, your dreams. And I'm living my dream. I'm living everything I've desired, everything that I've ever wanted. I'm living it. It's because of God's goodness. It's because he taught me to say no. And sometimes we say no to good things. It's not just the bad things. I've shared with you before how just a few years ago, Tara and I, we were praying about these good opportunities of ministry that we had. I mean, fabulous opportunities, continuing to be a part of the largest church in the Assemblies of God. We had that opportunity, and we prayed about it, and God said no. So obviously we had to say no, and I remember that phone call. I remember calling that campus pastor, and I said, man, I just don't have peace about this. Because God had something else. We've got to, we've got to have self-control. We've got to say no to ourselves sometimes. Saying no to yourself is good. It's good for you. It does a body good better than nothing. Saying no to yourself. Saying no to good things. Saying no to bad things. Saying no to self. They were learning self-control. So here's James and John. I believe they had to learn self-control that day going back again into this story because Jesus said, I want you to go into the Samaritan village. And I can almost guarantee you their first thought was, no, I'm not going there. But in that case, they had to give self-control and say, instead of saying no, they had to say yes to Jesus. And sometimes it reverses, right? Sometimes you want to say no to somebody. You, you want to say no to Pastor Heather. No, I can't help. <laughs> no, I can't come Friday night, Tara. No, I, I, it's my only night to relax. It's been a whole month since I haven't relaxed on a Friday night. Sometimes you just have to say no, and then you have to say yes. And I believe James and John were in that place. And, and so they said, okay, uh, I want to say no to this request, but we'll do it, Lord. We'll go. It's not a good idea. We want you to know, you know, just let it be said. Let it be known for the record. Let it be written down that this is a bad idea. So they go into that Samaritan village. And they said, we're here because Jesus, the prophet, wants to come into your town. They give him the cold shoulder. And what happens? There's that sinful nature. Bang! Clamps on James and John. And I, you know, we talked about this by just quickly reviewing this again. Because I know without a doubt they were like, I told you, Jesus. I told you this was a bad idea. These people are rude. These people don't like us. They don't even deserve you. So let's just send fire down to destroy them. And I know that they were dealing with that. But Paul in the, book, in, in the, in the New Testament said that we have to work out our, our salvation with fear and trembling. And so Jesus was doing a lot of things here. But one of the things he was doing, he was working on James and John, and he was exposing their, their nature. He was exposing something that needed to be fixed in their life so that they understood that this takes work. I've got to work in my life, and we've got to work out our salvation. We need to keep growing in God. We need to keep saying no to things. It doesn't end just because we're older, just because we keep going in life. I just want to keep, I want to keep growing in God, and I understand there's going to be more no's and more yeses that I get in life. But this morning, I, I wanted to hit this point because there was something else that was there was another opponent that James and John was facing that morning, or not that day, that day. Not only were they dealing with their sinful nature, 
But they were dealing with something that you know as our nurturing, how you have been nurtured. Now, I want to take you to one simple verse. And this is a verse that can be lost sometimes because it's one of those verses that's in a, in a it's grouped with lists. Now, I know, and some of you have been so kind to you share your Bible reading with me, and so, and you've been so kind to also tell me, man, I'm reading this, and it's a little dark. And I'm in Chronicles, and it's this person begat this person, and they begat, begat, begat. And I'm falling asleep, and I want to tell you, it's okay. There's some moments in the Bible where those lists, it's like, wow, I get it. There's a lot of people born. Got it. Can we, can we just skip through it? And I want to tell you that sometimes, even in what appears to you and I as being dull, there's something there. So the whole Word of God. We need to study it. And I know some of it takes a little bit digging, but you dig. So this is one of those verses I think you would you would bypass because it's a list, and you're like, what am I going to get out of a list? It's in Mark chapter 3, verse 17, and it simply says, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Barandres, which means sons of thunder. Simple verse. One verse could be lost because it's in a list. You could have been one of those days where you're like, that's ah, a list. Let's just move, move on to the meatier stuff. And it's tucked in there. And it's a simple verse, but obviously you can tell right away that there's something here. There's something here that Jesus is pointing out. James and John had a nickname, Sons of Thunder. And we read the story last week that confirmed this Nickname and how true it is that they were sons of thunder. These guys were, they had issues. They had big time issues. So much so that even Jesus said, you guys are like sons of thunder. My word. I mean, one person is over there trying to heal somebody and you're like, stop. These people over here won't welcome us. You're like, send fire down. You guys have you are like sons of thunder. And you know, it's interesting that Jesus didn't say you're thunder. He said you're sons of thunder. He didn't nickname them thunder. He nicknamed them sons of thunder. And I just want to tell you, just, you know, just build on my point here, is that James and John had been nurtured. They had been nurtured, and I believe Jesus is making that point. You are a product of anger. You're a product of this bad attitude. You're carrying around something that isn't of me. You're carrying around something that God didn't give you. You are a son of thunder. And I, this morning, I want us, and I want all of us, and I'll probably repeat this in different ways, but there's not a single person in here that has the, 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 um, the exemption to this message, as with any message. But we all need to look at our nurturing. And I can tell you, I grew up in a pastor's home. My father worked a full-time job, but was also a full-time uh, volunteer pastor at a small church. My mother uh, had a full-time job. She served as the impact coordinator, a Sunday school teacher. They were busy. I had good nurturing, but that doesn't mean I have permission not to look at my nurturing. Oh, certainly you, you, um, you had some good nurturing. You're fine, aren't you? No. Every single person in this room needs to spend time looking at how you were raised, looking at how you were brought up. You have
have to look at your life. And this is about understanding who you are today. I was taught in Bible school that by the time you are three years of age, 85% of your personality has been developed. Now, last week's message was about your sinful nature. So even before that three years of age, you're given a good portion of who you are. You're given a sinful nature. The Bible says we're all born into sin. Paul said we've all of sin and fallen short of God's glory. So that's, again, hopefully motivation for you every day to wake up and say, God, I need you. I have a sinful nature. But on top of that is this idea of nurturing. So by the time you were three years old, 85%, you can argue it. Sure, absolutely, you can argue the percentage. But the point is that by the time you were three, who you are has been developed. The makeup of who you are. Those formative years were so key and so crucial. And I shared a message with you uh, last year. It's a message that is a big part of me personally. It's a big part of my ministry. So you're going to hear this come out of me often. But I shared a message with you uh, from a book called Wild at Heart and the importance of our relationship with our earthly father. That relationship is so important. I beg each of you to replay that entire relationship in your mind. Because, and of course, it's not just earthly father. Maybe you didn't know your earthly father. That male figure that had the greatest influence in your life, whatever that, whoever that person was, it could be a few people. It could have been a few male uh, individuals in your life. Absolutely. It's maybe just one or two or three. That relationship was so key in your development. And of course, uh, you have to think the opposite. You might just be thinking, you're just talking about a good father. No, even bad fathers, absent fathers, they're teaching their children something. And it is sad. And it is something that's not good. That 85% of their personality that's been developed, if that father's not there, their personality is taking on something that's called emptiness, loneliness, and the lack of security, and that, that, that nurturing of that character and that individual is being brought together, and it's something that's going to be hurtful to them. That's why mentoring is so important. That's why if you don't have children, you should be praying for every child in this church. You should be praying for children of our neighborhood when you have opportunity to give back to those children. When we have the unbirthday party here, you should be one of the first ones that say, boy, there's maybe some kids there that don't have a, a father in their life. I've got to get there. I've got to be there. I've got to spend time with these kids because they're developing without one of the most important things in life. All right, before I go back into that message, I just needed to remind you that every one of us have been nurtured in a good way or a bad way. Either your father and obviously your mother took your life or grandparents or adopted parents or whoever played the, 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 the role of nurturing. Somebody took you into their life and they either nurtured you to be like God or they nurtured you to let, did they just let you figure it out? Or they nurtured you to be just like them. And there's you know, a lot of variations there, but those are just the generalities. You've either been nurtured to be like God, or you've been, you, you had to figure it out on your own, or they nurtured you just to be just like them. And that's something to think about. That's something to process. 
And I know this is an attitude in our world today. The world's attitude is, I'll do me and you do you, which means what? I don't need to change. I am who I am. I don't need to change my way of thinking. I don't need to change my way of talking. I don't need to change the way I act. This is who I am. You can't teach a dog, an old dog new tricks. So take it or leave it. This is who I am. And I don't believe that's the spirit of Christ. I don't believe that's the spirit of a disciple of Christ. I believe a spirit of Christ that's upon us says, I want to keep learning. I want to keep growing. I want to work on my life. There's some things in me I know without a doubt I want to keep growing in. So I hope nobody in this room, nobody listening online is saying to themselves, got this one down. I'm going to go grab some more coffee. <laughs> I got this one down. And I know this, and I know this in this room because I feel it too sometimes. Man, I'm doing good. I am really learning this thing called life. I've been, I've been good this week. I don't need to change. I don't need to make corrections. I don't need somebody speaking into my life. I am acting the way I want to act. And that's what's happening in this world today. These political issues, these religious issues, there's this, this, the church is at war with itself, is it not? We're letting the enemy come into the church, big church, and to divide us. Why? Because people are saying, this is who I am. Don't talk to me. You're wrong. I'm right. This is the way you should be thinking. This is the color you should be representing. And what not? And on and on and on it goes. There's no humility as I talked about. There's no willingness to grow. There's no awareness that maybe there's something I need in my life that God is wanting to teach me. I love John 3.30. This is the spirit we need to have. John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that Christ will increase in me. That's the attitude I want to have. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live for Christ. I live for Him. We need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, here's this is what I know. So some of you will say, yep, I, I was not nurtured good at all. I, I, had, I had some bad nurturing in my life. I had some bad examples. I had a potty mouth, and I know where it came from. I dislike these people, and I know where it came from. I, I don't like doing that, then I know where it came from. I've done these bad things before, and I know where it came from. So, so I hope, though, you know, in our life, and it's not just our parents, I think about my grandfather, who was a drunken womanizer. And I think about that, and I say, God, would you work in me that that will never be a path I ever even look at. I want you to work in me. Because these things are passed on. And that's why Paul says you've got to work on your salvation. If you just accepted Christ and that's all you needed to do, let's call it good then. Let's not even open up the church anymore. <laughs> let's not sing anymore. Let's not witness anymore. No, Paul says you've got to work on this. You've got to work on your life. So there's, there's, there's probably a lot of obvious things that people are like, oh yeah, don't even tell me again. There's something I need to work on. But for those of us like myself who did have some good nurturing from parents, you might be saying, yeah, you're barking up the wrong tree. I had good parents. They taught me good things. And I want to agree with you. I'm, I, well, I'm not going to disagree with you, obviously. I'm not going to argue with you. But I'm going to challenge you still. 
I'm not going to let you off the hook because I'm not letting myself off the hook. I'll give you an example. I had good parents, and I brought this up before, and whatever you think about this is between you and God, but we were spanked. Now, I am grateful that I was spanked. I am very grateful for that. But I want to tell you something, that I, as I was processing my relationship with my earthly father, I discovered something in my life. Because as good as that was, what I still needed is not just the spanking. I needed the explanation. I needed the mentoring. I needed, I want you to see my life, son, and I want to show you that this is what's going to happen if you keep doing that. I needed the mentoring in my life. And I can tell you, I want to be a mentor to Alexandra. I want to be a mentor to your children. I want to be a mentor to kids. I don't want to just tell them about this and that about the Bible, but I want to show them how the Bible works in their life. It's a big difference. It's a big difference just to say, memorize this scripture verse. And then tell them, listen, this is why this verse is going to help you. So, one of the things I processed in my life was this spanking actually created in me this idea that as long as I don't get caught. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm not the only one. Good deal. <laughs> you, turn, you turn this, you turn yourself up, or turn somebody else up. As long as I don't get caught, what? I'm good. I'm not in trouble if I don't get caught. If I get caught... Oh, I'm going to get spanked, and that's bad. Now, the Bible says the beginning of the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So this is a good thing to, to begin in your life, to fear the consequences of sin. That's a great place to start, and it's something you should never leave. I can tell you as a pastor, it's a good thing for me to fear losing my credentials over improper conduct. That's a good thing. I don't think I ever should get over that fact that I could lose my credentials, that I could lose your respect, that I can lose the clout I have if I were to act this way or do that or you would see me over there. That's a good thing. But that's just the beginning. That's just where it starts. And so I began to process this, and I began to realize this is not something that's helping me. It's actually hurting me. I've told on myself before, this was one of the things, this is how it worked. I think I said this with this group, or it could have been in a smaller group. But in Bible college, this is bad, pray for me, but I'm over it. So in college, you had to read books. And when we were tested, you had to sign that I read, at the end of the test, you had to sign that I read whatever book. So, I'm like, okay, I don't like reading. I know I have to tell the truth. So, this is what I'm going to do. I take my finger, and I would literally, if this was my, my book, I would literally go like this. I was justifying that little action so that when I signed, I learned that as long as you didn't get caught, then you were, you were okay. Nobody's going to spank you. You're fine. Nobody's watching. Nobody's looking at you. Nobody cares what you're doing right now. And I learned an important lesson. It wasn't just about the spanking that I had to understand. I had to learn why I was getting spanked. And I had to begin to teach myself. And to this day, yes, I am teaching myself. And I'm asking God, not just, not only am I teaching myself, but I'm saying, God, teach me. 
father me, mentor me, show me. It's not just about the rules, but it's about a relationship with you. It's about knowing you and loving you when I'm in front of people and when I'm not with people. It's about walking with you when I'm with people and when I'm not with people. It's about living for you. It's about having a relationship, a nurturing. Even the good things you got through your nurturing, guess what happens when something like this happens to them? As good as your parents were, and I, you know, and some of you would say, yes, they were very good. I'm not going to argue that. But you still have a sinful nature that somehow, and not, this is not just the only way that we have to process things, but even in the good things, you know, that can be twisted. Now, here's something else to think about. James and John, let's go back to the story again. James and John. And here is the story. They were taught to not go into the Samaritan village. Do you remember that? They were, I, I mean, I can share that with you, so I'm just saying, do you remember? If you've read it before, if you've studied the Bible before, if you understand Samaritan, I shared that with you last week. These were, we would call half-breeds in a very mean and rude way. Yes, that's not a kind thing to say. But that's what they were, and that's how the Israelites looked at them. You're not 100% and you're not 100% of, of Jewish blood. So you're in your own little village. You're over there. And they were taught, James and John, dad and mom, this is what happened. It doesn't have to be in the Bible. I can tell you this is what happened. James and John, you don't go over there. Those are bad people. They're going to be a bad influence on you. Don't go over there. And can I tell you that those parents were only obeying the law of God? So they weren't even being bad parents. They were doing what God told them to do. But then Jesus shows up and he says, I've got a new way. I've got a better way. Because I am going to die on the cross, I can now offer salvation to all people. So now with that song that we sang, now I can turn any, any crimson stain into purity. I can take half-breeds, you know, fourth-breeds, third-breeds, sixteenth-breeds, can make them 100% children of God. I can take a life that's been broken and destroyed, and I can make them whole again. I can take somebody that you used to hate, and you're going to love them. I can take somebody that used to hurt people, and I can help them to help others. I can take lives that were dying, and I can breathe life into them. Guess what? I've got a new way of living. I've got a better way of living. You no longer have to separate yourself from people because now I'm going to live in you and I'm going to abide in you and that spirit of purity is going to be in you. Remember, the law was there just to teach them. It was just to hold the people of Israel until Jesus came. Until Jesus came. But here is my point. Jesus was showing up and he was telling James and John, I, it's time to change. It's time to upgrade your way of thinking. It's time to open your mind is better things. It's time to open your way that you were taught, and it's time to give you something new, something better, something powerful, something spiritual. It's time for you to see what I'm going to do. It's time for you to understand that greater things that He has in store for us, things that you've never seen or dreamed or imagined. And I've got to change your mindset. I've got to change the way you're thinking. And if there's anything I want to do as a leader, as with God's help, not just me, Please understand, this is not about me pushing an agenda. This is, I hope you've seen that over this past year. I told the transitional committee, I'm coming in here. I'm not going to do a lot of changes. We're starting to do some, but I didn't do major ones. 
It's not about pushing my agenda, but I will challenge your thinking. And I pray you'll challenge mine, and together we'll grow together in God. Together we'll know more. Together we'll do more. Together we'll think better. Together we'll say things better. Not for our sake, but for the glory of God. For God's glory, for His kingdom. Not my kingdom, not your kingdom, not this kingdom, but His kingdom. But we have to understand there's some things that we need upgraded in our life. We have to understand we're going to keep growing. If you feel like you've arrived and you don't need change, then you need to change. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you right now, if you were to tell me, there's nothing I need to change, I'm good. Then you need to change. Because I can tell you, I want to keep changing. I want to keep growing. I want to keep being challenged. I want that thing. I want God to work in my life. Let me just share one, one last thought before I kind of close. But I have to mention this because I'm talking about it. But here's the reality. I just want to, it was a good reminder. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, people, you are all nurturing somebody. You are all nurturing somebody. Now go back to what I shared with you. So you're either helping people to become more like God or more like you or more, or they're, you know, just figure it out. Now I understand you know, God's coming through my life. Absolutely. Get that. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So I can tell you with absolute confidence, I'm in God's Word, and I'm praying. So I can tell you with confidence, follow me as I follow Christ. And that's, that's the attitude we should have. And that's what we need to be doing, especially with children. Teaching them. They are being nurtured. We are creating, you're creating something. I know that much. And here's the thing. I want to, I, the greatest thing I want to do is just keep bringing Alexandra to Jesus. That's what I want to keep doing. Here, Alexandra, you know, your dad's not going to be perfect, but I know somebody who is. Here he is. And I'm going to keep bringing her to her. I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to keep praying with her. I'm going to keep reading Bible stories to her. I'm going to keep bringing her to church. I'm going to keep talking to her. Because I start looking at her, I'm like, she's not going to get it. I'm going to have to work on that. I'm serious. I'm, I, you know, it is funny, but it is a reality. I see things in her that I'm like, that's me. We're going to work on that. So I said, Alexandra, you're, you're, you're going to hang out with friends. You're going to have to share your stories. Because I know I didn't like that either. I didn't have to. I, I mean, it was comfortable. I didn't have to share stories. I had a brother. No, no siblings. Really no friends growing up. Just me. But that wasn't good for me. So I see things in her that she needs to work on. We're nurturing our kids. So please, with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the help of the Bible, with the help of this church, nurture your kids. Take care. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up at this time. I shared this thought with you. I want us to be free to live like God. I don't want to be known as a son of thunder. I don't want to be known just as a son of Sid and Francis Casillas. I don't want to be known just as a preacher. I want to be known as a child of God. I want to be known as a follower of Christ. I want to be known as somebody who has spent time in God's Word and somebody who has prayed. I want people to know that there's something inside of me that goes beyond me. I want people to know that there's something that I'm talking about that's more than just me and what I'm doing and what I'm saying. It's God all 
I want to be nurtured by the Holy Spirit. I want to be nurtured by the Word of God. I want to be nurtured by His family. I want to be nurtured by you. I want to be nurtured in His love and His mercy. I want to be nurtured by God. Would you stand up this morning, please? Father, I pray by Your Spirit that You'll begin to touch our lives. And this is why we sing songs. This is why we worship, so that You can nurture us. So that You can teach us. So that You can correct us. So that You can expose things in our life that You want to change. Even good things, God, that You want to upgrade. How many of us will buy a new iPhone because there's new and better things on it? How much more should we say, God, upgrade me. Make me more like you. Make me stronger in you. Make me wiser in you. Make me more loving. Make me more kind. Make me more peaceful. Oh, God, may we be nurtured by you today. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come by your strength and power. Come, Lord, as we worship you. Speak to us. Work in our lives.